Do you feel that awe is something that can only be experienced at extraordinary times in our lives? Are you open to feeling awe every day? Hello and welcome, everyone. My name is Mary Slocum, and today our topic is awe. I hope you're enjoying the show and that you will continue to welcome it into your lives. Please follow or subscribe to the podcast, download the episodes, and share them with friends and on social media. And don't forget to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. Your support is so important, and I thank you. Your Mindful Life Podcast. You may recall from episode 49 that awe is my word for this year. My intention is to continue to open to awe and to soak it up so that it pervades every cell of my body and every space in my being. Experiencing awe is one of the most healing experiences of my life. When in awe, I feel deep belonging to and new understanding about the vast fabric of life that is available to us all. I hope you'll feel the same way about awe as I do, feeling its mystery, majesty, and magic. When we are clinging, anchored, or attached to the routine of life, we leave little space for awe. We don't even realize that we're clinging. Recently, in one of the meditation classes I teach, one of the students said, I feel anchored to the way I live my life. I feel attached to it as though nothing can change. So many of us feel anchored, like boats anchored in a harbor. We can't move into new perspective, adventures, or even relationships. We feel comfortable in our habits of being and living, and we feel no need to look outside what's going on right now. Surprisingly, we even feel comfortable in our dissatisfaction and in habits that aren't serving us. They feel familiar. We know what to expect. There are no surprises. We prefer the known to the unknown, even when the known is unsatisfactory or uncomfortable. Many of us feel that we live a life of to-do lists and responsibilities. We may also be anchored in past experiences or in future worries. We have packaged ourselves to live within certain content and context where there is no space for the unknown, the different, or what is bigger and vaster and more mysterious than our anchored lives. Perhaps we even believe there is no space for awe. 
Dr. Keltner, a psychologist, describes awe as being in the presence of something vast and mysterious that transcends our current understanding of the world. The thing about awe is that it is so powerful that it breaks through habits and beliefs to show us something so much bigger and so much more encompassing than anything we're accustomed to. It breaks us away from the habitual. When we are present in the moment, in that very instant, then we are available to connect with an awe-inspiring event, situation, or experience. Awe, by its very nature, through its power to hold our attention, will draw us in. Awe-inspiring events are commonplace. They are the stuff of life. In Keltner's new book, Awe, The Science of Everyday Wonder and How It Can Transform Your Life, he categorizes awe into groups, what he calls the eight wonders of life. The groupings are the result of he and his colleagues collecting examples of awe from ordinary people all over the world. Of course, these groupings are not exhaustive, but they do help us to feel how awe is available to us in our everyday lives. The first group he calls moral beauty. We find the awe of moral beauty in other people's courage, kindness, strength, and virtue. Walt Whitman, the poet and writer, celebrated the awe and mystery of our ordinary everyday lives even as he experienced the horror of the civil war between the states. He remembered feeling awe watching columns of soldiers, ordinary men, moving through the mud. He wrote, It was a curious sight to see those shadowy columns moving through the night. I stood unobserved in the darkness and watched them long. The mud was very deep. It may have been odd, but I never before so realized the majesty and reality of the American people en masse. It fell upon me like a great awe. In the second grouping, we find awe in the effervescence of our collective life force. I distinctly remember awe taking hold of me at a baseball game at Fenway Park in Boston when the spectators in the stands suddenly began doing the wave, that giant, rhythmical, and undulating wave of movement that swept round and round the stands. Even now, as I recall that moment, I feel the tingling effervescence of unity, connection, happiness, and oneness with everyone. We find awe in nature in the third grouping. We don't have to travel to national parks or remote nature preserves. We only have to connect to a tree, a hummingbird in the garden, or the shore of a river, stream, lake, or the sea. Yesterday, I felt awe watching the condors seemingly drift above the Pacific Ocean from my perch on a cliff. Their grandeur and the vastness of the ocean united to inform me of how small I am, even though I'm part of that grandeur. And then I had an insight into how, when we are truly ourselves, we are like the condor, wholeheartedly living our lives. 
In the fourth grouping is music. I will never forget feeling awe sitting in the fifth row of Symphony Hall in Boston as the Béjart Ballet performed to Stravinsky's Firebird. The sound, the pulsating rhythm, the flesh and bones of dancing bodies spread out in front of me, beckoning me to enter its vast meaning without words. And in the next group, the fifth, we find awe awaiting us in visual design, in cathedrals, skyscrapers, bridges, murals, paintings, and even graffiti. On the web, I met the street artists of Athens, Greece, who filled me with awe with their playful, grand, and profound, larger-than-life works painted on buildings all over the city. We also find awe in the next group, arising in us in spiritual and religious moments. I have felt spiritual awakening simply sitting quietly by the water or on my cushion at meditation retreat, or seeing a flock of pelicans take flight all at once from the river. In the seventh grouping, we find awe in birth and death, in that instant when life is suddenly here and then suddenly gone. And finally, in the eighth group, we find awe in epiphanies, those sudden moments of understanding some truth, that moment when something dark and obscured is suddenly bright and understood. I have had epiphanies when reading novels or doing mathematics. I have even had epiphanies waking up in the morning. We may mistakenly believe that awe is something that comes around infrequently, that it requires extra special circumstances or surroundings and is nowhere to be found in our everyday lives. This leaves us bereft of the energy, connection, mystery, and spiritual awakening that awe brings to us. The truth is, awe is available to all of us, all of us going about our ordinary lives. So how do we access all this awe waiting to happen? By simply being present, paying attention, and opening to the possibility of awe. One of my mindfulness teachers, Rick Hansen, taught us how we often overlook taking in the good. He explained that we can experience joy, happiness, contentment, and awe, but miss their lasting effect. We know that the human brain has a propensity towards the negative— Negative experiences stick in the brain, while positive or pleasant ones slip by, as Rick said, like water through a sieve. Pleasant experiences pass by without the brain really holding on to them, because the brain is more attuned to the negative, to threats to our safety and our well-being. And in this way, we may find it hard to recall feelings of awe, joy, and happiness, but find it easy to recall feelings of peril, fright, anger, and suffering. Our mindfulness training gives us a way to more fully take in awe, as well as joy and happiness, creating a propensity towards them because we create neural pathways in the brain that are receptive to them. 
the first thing to do is to simply recognize and be present with what is here right now, even when it's a memory. I remember the feeling of awe crossing through me as I watched and listened to the firebird. And now, even though it's a memory, it feels as fresh and present as it did that evening. Staying with it, enjoying its presence, and feeling how it feels in our bodies is the next important thing to do. As I stayed with the memory of the Firebird Ballet, I felt my whole body tingling and bubbling. My limbs and spine felt supple and strong, even as though they were making the shapes of the dancers moving. Exhilaration and energy were pulsing through me and lifting me up. My whole being was absorbing the feeling of awe provoked by the memory of the ballet, and I stayed with the experience as it seeped into every molecule of me. This, Rick tells us, is what we need to do so that the good stays with us. This enriching of experience makes the experience become part of us. If we're visual, we can visualize it sinking into us. And if we're not, we can sense its essence or feel its tactile qualities, its tingling and effervescence, and even what it sounds, smells, or tastes like. One day, a hummingbird visited me. The little bird came right up to me and hovered, the humming sound of his wings penetrating deep inside of me. I felt awe of this little creature, how he connected with me and made me feel the whole web of life vibrating through both of us, the little hummingbird and me. By really taking in his humming and his presence, the awe I felt became part of me. This week, I invite you to ponder where you find awe in your life. Use Keltner's groupings to discover all the places you can find awe. Then open yourself to finding it, and when you experience it, let it seep in, stay with you, and become part of you. Thank you for listening. I so appreciate you and also appreciate the people behind the scenes who make this podcast possible. Gorgias Romero for original music, audio engineering and production. Bill Rafferty for technical web support. Ali Allen for logo and podcast cover design. And Margaret Haas for announcing the show. Be well, be mindful. Be mindful.